Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hi everyone, I am your host Tia Hama and today I am joined by Bruce Tulgan, best-selling author as well as CEO and founder of Rainmaker Thinking. In today's episode we are talking about fatigue and how it really affects our productivity. So let's get started. Hi Bruce, how are you? Hi, you're just fine. I'm about to take one little bit. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's what we want to hear. Uh, thank you so much for being here. So you have a very interesting profession. You've worked in a lot of different areas. So for those who don't know you, do you mind explaining a bit about who it is you are and what it is you do? Yeah, I mean, gosh. Uh, so I run a small business uh, in New Haven, Connecticut called Rainmaker Thinking. Uh, we have clients all over the world. Uh, and uh, what we do, management, research, training and consulting, so for 29 years now, we've been doing research on the front lines of the workplace. Wow. Uh, we do in-depth interviews. Um, and more than a half a million people, more than 400 organizations have participated in our research over the last 29 years. Yeah. And that has turned into 21 books and uh, countless white papers and articles and so on. And uh, so, you know, we work for organizations of all shapes and sizes. and. Mm. Mostly what we do is we do in-depth interviews and when we start to uncover a, a, a theme or a trend or an issue or a, a problem or a solution, uh, then I write a book and then, uh, <laughs> amazing. Just, yeah. You've definitely yeah. read some, um, definitely written some best-selling, best-selling reads. That's for sure. Yeah, I wrote a book called It's Okay to Be the Boss. That's probably my most successful book, uh, uh, in terms of sheer numbers. Uh, mm. The Art of Being Indispensable at Work uh, is published by Harvard Business Review Press. That's my most recent book. So kind of feel oh. proud of that one just because it's Harvard, you know. And then, uh, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, of course. I have a book called Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, which is coming out in the third edition this spring. So, yeah, I mean, that's about managing young people in the workplace. Mm. When I first started out back in the early 90s, I wrote a book called Managing Generation X. And that was about young people in the workplace when I was young. So uh, <laughs> uh, now yeah. I write about young people, but I'm old. So it's a different perspective. <laughs> Amazing. So before you started Rainmaker, Rainmaker Thinking, sorry, that one doesn't exactly roll off my tongue. Um, before you started Rainmaker Thinking, um, what were you doing before then? I was working as a lawyer in New York City at number two Wall Street. Um, wow. as, uh, so I was only now don't hold that against me, please. Because, <laughs> we you know, won't, I was, we won't. <laughs> I was only a lawyer for 428 days. And uh, that uh, is not so, a long time. 
Yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, I I started writing this book, Managing Generation X, and then mm-hmm. uh, I said, all right, I'm going to go finish it. And uh, so I left the law firm and uh, I never really wanted to be a lawyer. I, 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 I wanted to get an advanced degree and uh, I would have gone to medical school, but I threw up in the sixth grade when we were dissecting frogs. <laughs> and, uh, so... I'm not going to be a doctor. I figured, well, okay, oh, I can be a lawyer, you know. So that's what most lawyers got, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my wife got a PhD in, in American history, um, but but I went for law school because it was only wow. And and then I worked as a lawyer for a while because I thought, you know, I should at least see what it's like. And then um, okay, that's enough. <laughs> interesting yeah that definitely on wall street that definitely would have been quite the experience i can imagine yeah i mean it was just an old-fashioned law firm. they just happened to be on wall street and i always yeah. say that because it sounds <laughs> it definitely it definitely sounds cool yeah as um a current law student i can definitely see how that would look very good on your resume um but yes thank you for that so we're gonna do some um get to know the guest questions now sure. so this is where i'm gonna ask bruce some more personal probing questions uh wow. we're gonna get onto some more interesting <laughs> um personal topics so first let's discuss books do you have a favorite is there something you're currently reading yeah i'm always reading i mean so of course i've written a bunch of books and my wife has written two books one of them is called the most famous man in america which the 2007 pulitzer prize yes biography. she won the pulitzer prize i did right? read that so, that is amazing <laughs> pretty awesome yeah her last name is applegate so if you like books about 19th century abolitionist ministers in america um don't don't look for Tolgan, look for Applegate. Uh we have we have different last names because I kept my maiden name, you know. Uh so um and uh then she also wrote a book called Madam, which came out about a year ago, uh which okay. is about uh, a woman named Polly Adler who was a famous she kept a brothel and a speakeasy in in, in New York wow. City in the twenties and thirties, uh twenties, uh, especially during Prohibition. A lot of book mm. takes during prohibition so there's a lot of gangsters and stuff in that one um so those are pretty exciting those are my wife's books um my books uh are you know uh i i have favorites you know if you have 21 you have favorites it's sort of like if you have children you know and people say you don't, <laughs> you don't have favorite children but that's that's secretly why. you do yeah <laughs> oh of course you do. and um so um but uh you know, let's, I'm always reading something. Um, uh, there's uh, uh, some of the books that I always recommend. I always recommend uh, Admiral McRaven's book, uh, Bake okay. Your Bed, is a wonderful yeah. book. Uh, I recommend Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which is a, a short novel that I love, has a very inspirational, um, uh, it, well, it is inspirational. And I, yeah. so I, uh, and let's see, I recommend Siddhartha, which is also a novel to a lot of young Amazing. people, especially. Okay, There's a great book yeah. called The Last Lecture by Randy Pouch. So uh, those are the four books that I recommend to people. Right, okay. Young people. <laughs> are they, are uh, they different from your favorite books? I love those books, you know, and so I send them out to people uh, because, you know, if one thing they're short and uh, people who are not big readers, you know, I like to get them, get them hooked by giving them short books. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm always reading something. I I I, I love Noah Yuval Harari. Uh, wrote a series of books. One is called Sapiens. One is Homo Deus. One is called oh, yeah, Twenty One Lessons. Yeah, I think I've heard of these. Yeah. He's amazing, um, mm, he brilliant, is. brilliant. Those those are a slightly heavier lift. Those mm. reads, those are great books. Um, I mean, I could talk about books all day long. <laughs> great, great. I wish we could. So moving on to our next topic, which is movies. This is personally my favorite one, just because I'm a book, I'm a book person. Um, but when I'm feeling really lazy, I'm a movie person. So movies. How do how do you feel about them? Do you watch? Do you watch a lot of movies or don't really get time? Yeah, I like movies just fine. You know, um, I'm I'm not like my mother loved movies. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, when I was a kid and if there was a movie she wanted to see it, my father didn't feel like going, you know, especially she'd drag me along. And I'd say so as a result of that, I saw, you know, wildly inappropriate movies as a small child. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, I was the 70s, you know. And uh, exactly. so, uh, but um yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, I love the Rocky movies, uh, but you know that's because I'm amazing. just like so American. And, um, <laughs> it's quite a particular trait. No, I, I love yeah. the Rocky movies; they're amazing. Um, I love the you know movies like Back to the Future and all that. But but there, you know, I also I actually have an easy mark when it comes to movies. I'll I'll watch pretty much anything. I'll, I'll I like high quality movies, of course. Okay. Um, but I also like, you know, what I would call cotton candy movies, which are just you know, movies <laughs> that are fun, fun to watch. Yeah, um, exactly. We were just get this. So we had dinner the other night with this mm. fellow uh, um, who, uh, Charlie Kaufman, who uh, uh, made all these movies like Being with John Malkovich and uh, Being John Malkovich, not Being with John Malkovich, Being John Malkovich, <laughs> Adaptation. Yeah. Uh, the Eternal uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So, oh you know, my it was gosh, just, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little dinner party, right? And um, and and a friend of ours who is a poet um, is you know uh, spending a lot of time with this fellow nowadays. And um, and so you know we're sitting there, and I'm like, you know, there's something about this guy. Well, sure enough, you know, he makes all these big movies. He won an Oscar. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved, yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was, it's just like the most insane, unusual, crazy movie, but it's, I fell in love with it when I was a teenager. I was like, this is insane and I love it. And for anyone listening who hasn't seen it, definitely go have a look at it. I think it's still on Netflix maybe, um, but yeah, amazing movie. That's so cool. Oh my gosh, I would have loved to have been a fly Isn't on the it? wall yeah. for that conversation. Yeah. There weren't that many people there, and I mean, it was like seven of us, and uh, and I, and you know, and then um, many kind of start feeling like, well, and what do you do? Oh, nothing really. I mean, you know, <laughs> not in comparison <laughs> to Oscar films. Let's, yeah, talk, no. let's talk more about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're more interesting. Okay, so um, the next topic is podcasts. Now, some guests we find don't actually listen to podcasts. So do you enjoy podcasts or not so much podcast person? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the radio. And from my okay. perspective, you know, you're just a half a beat away. I feel like away. I expected that, yeah. <laughs> so like, you're okay. half a beat away from podcasts. I mean, uh, I, so sure, I like podcasts. Uh, you know, Rachel Maddow had... had um, uh, and it has an interesting one right now. Um, you know, sometimes I'll listen to Shocker Vedantam, which, you know, is it is a podcast, 
um uh but it's uh but it's basically the radio so you know uh, i do a podcast but what my podcast is uh i just interview clients for the most part clients whom i have found like really interesting yeah. and uh so i try to shine a bright light on them or in some cases it's not clients it's just other folks know who are really interesting um, I'm just getting so sick of my own voice that I've started interviewing <laughs> other people more. <laughs> yeah. I uh, completely concur with that feeling. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I very much understand how you feel. So what's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's called The Indispensables. And uh, okay. we've done, you know, and I, do, I have a lot of clients. Name. What's that? Yeah. I was going to say it's a very cool, like, superhero name. That sounds very great. <laughs> yeah, and it just, where I have, you know, so, like, um, I've done a lot of work with the Army, so I have a couple of generals on there. One, one I have an Army general from the U.S. Army and an Air Force general. I got a lot of CEOs on there and stuff. Uh, Ray Blanchett did it. He's the CEO of TGI Fridays. Um, but you know, I've done like 92 episodes and, um, and you know, apparently they're too, uh, long and too, uh, intense. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're not, they're, they're not lighthearted They're mm. You know, so I'm trying to shine a bright light on these incredible people and get them to share with the world like what is it that they do that's different um yeah. but you know then there's scott galloway and i i usually if somebody turns me on to something then i'll listen to it yeah <laughs> amazing so my fourth topic is um a famous role model do you have a famous role model i mean role model i mean my parents are my role models uh and uh you know, I learned a lot about ethics from my mother and a lot about uh, being intellectually curious. My mother was a, a real bookworm. Um, my father, uh, I've learned a tremendous amount about, you know, taking care of people. He's a doctor. He's 89 years old. He works, I, I suppose. Oh, wow. If I, if I have any work ethic at all, it comes from him. I always yeah. say, you know, I'm going to retire before you do. And he says, you call what you do work, right? But, uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, I love him. Well, yeah, and you know, but I'm, I'm, I have, I have a lot of heroes. I mean, Ben Franklin mm. is is a hero of mine, although he's yeah. a terrible, terrible spouse. Um, and uh, so <laughs> I, I, I don't a hero like in a certain that. way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Admiral McRaven is about as great a hero as you could have. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I role models. I suppose you know, one friend of mine uh, likes to say you should practice being the person you're trying to become so Interesting. you know uh just you know take on those traits and try them on for size and practice them um so i don't know you know uh, my wife is is not exactly a role model she's certainly the the greatest mind i've ever encountered oh that's amazing i love that so uh, my last topic or my last question is um what is a course you have completed it doesn't have to be recent it can be anything that you found particularly interesting a course you mean mm -hmm. like an online class or like a class from law school i mean civil procedure is the class i was most <laughs> proud of because i got an a in civil procedure 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not um, easy. <laughs> I was just kind of like, oh, I got an A. See, look, civil procedure. Not <laughs> that. You know, I may not be much of a lawyer, but I got an A in civil I procedure. I got an A in civil procedure. Like, that's I, amazing. I, I, took, I took like 16 political science classes in college wow. because when I went to Amherst College. You could take basically whatever you wanted. Yeah. So uh, I just did deep dives. This was back in the 80s, right? So I took six classes in women and gender studies. Uh, that was that wow. was kind of ahead of the curve way back. Mm, um, yeah, definitely. But, uh, uh, you know, golly, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in school, Tia. <laughs> That's I'm, fine. I'm, Look, how <laughs> years old? <laughs> No, 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 <laughs> no, I don't blame you. It's, um, it's quite exhausting. I'm nearly finished. So I'm like hanging in there and I don't really have all that much of an intention to go back. I think once you've done law school, you're kind of a bit, bit traumatized. You don't really want to go. You don't really want to go back unless you, unless you really love it, which, um, yeah, I, I mean, don't. like me, I go to a lot of business conferences, you know, so I count myself lucky when I'm able to sit in on a session with some mm. leading mind. You know, usually I'm there as a speaker, right? And um, so, you know, I consider it kind of lucking out if I get to be there long enough to catch one of the other speakers. Sometimes those are, you know, sometimes they're really good. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think as as adults, when you go into like professional existence, you do have those opportunities to learn. And it's just all about like sort of taking them and understanding that like, even if you just go to a conference, like you said, like you will learn something from the speakers there. So anyway, thank One you so much. One of the things I've been doing is my, 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 my buddy, mm. Jeff Krause, uh, who has been a guest on my podcast and a longtime client, and I've known him since he was 12. Oh, wow. Um, and, and now his hero model, there's a guy I'm trying to be more like him. He's, he's, he's oh. kind of a cool guy. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, he's, he's really cool guy. But he does a Sunday morning uh, Zoom karate uh, class that I've been participating in. I've done karate since I was a little kid. And um, uh, so that's actually the class I am taking right now is Sunday cool. mornings on the Zoom. Yo. <laughs> that's amazing. I did read that you're a black belt. So that's pretty cool. Um, Tia, I got my black belt when I was 18 years old. I'm 55, so I was recently promoted to seventh degree, seventh degree black belt, which is senior, <laughs> and that's a senior master level in our in our style. Wow, that's, yeah. So you're just like so past black belt. It's like don't even they run out. Yeah. Of well, let me put it this way: I have many students uh, whom I have trained up to black belt. My my senior student is a fourth degree black belt. He's my senior wow. student I've ever had. Yeah, karate's like a thing, you know, that I do. It's my thing. That's amazing. I love that. It's not just my yeah. thing. It's not just my <laughs> thing. No, definitely. So thank you for answering those questions. Um, we're going to go into the interview questions now. So obviously today we're talking about fatigue and how it affects our productivity. Um, but before we dive into that, Bruce, for our audience, um, how would you personally define productivity? I mean, productivity is output per labor unit. That's the dictionary definition of productivity. Right. It's how much work do you get done? How fast do you get it done? Mm. Um, it's always intention with quality, right? Which is negative error rate plus tangibles. And um, so to me, productivity is about um, how much do you get done and how fast do you get it done? So uh, output okay. per labor unit. Interesting. All right. So 
In saying that then, um, what do you think people get wrong when it comes to personal productivity? I mean, golly, uh, uh, you know, most people, probably the biggest mistake that people who are busy make is trying to multitask, juggle. You know, I'm always <laughs> juggling. See, I'm so busy. I'm always multitasking. Right? There's no such thing as multitasking. If you're multitasking, mm -hmm. what you're doing is doing a whole bunch of things not optimally well. Um, yeah, and exactly. you know, you're, uh, what you're doing is changing focus, your, your task shifting. So probably yeah. the biggest error make is believing that they can do multiple things at once. Um, and that they can, uh, you know, mm -hmm. task shift effectively. Um, that's one thing. Another thing people, you know, sometimes don't recognize that they've got to refill their tank. I mean, to the, to the point, um, yeah, that we're talking definitely. about today about, about fatigue. Mm. Um, I, you know, I think one mistake people make is not slowing down enough to learn a good method for executing a recurring task okay. responsibility or project. If yeah. you have a recurring task responsibility or project, what you want to do is develop um, a repeatable way of doing it uh, so that you, that is a great way to accelerate uh, output per labor is having, you know, practicing. And then, yeah. you know, be careful about going on autopilot. When you go on autopilot, what you end up doing is making mistakes. And when you, mm -hmm. or sometimes you fizzle in terms of, energy, yeah, yeah. mostly what you do is you make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, it's sort of a hidden killer of productivity because unnecessary mistakes have to get fixed later. So if you're keeping score on your productivity, you better keep you better keep track of those unnecessary mistakes that you have to go back and fix because yeah. that diminishes your overall productivity. Definitely, yeah. We had a guest um, on the show last week actually and um, should be out by the time this episode airs. Um, but we had a guest who came on specifically to talk about multitasking and just how it's not actually <laughs> possible. And a lot of the time it's just you consistently changing um, kind of like what you're engaging in and your different stimuli. So it's definitely not something um, that is possible. You can kind of be sort of like change your engagement in different stimuli. But like you said, you're not going to be as productive. At no point are you going to be able to master um, anything and do anything sort of like to its full potential. And you're really sort of discrediting yourself by doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that are more amenable than others. For example, if you're taking a walk and talking on the phone at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, that's a good example of, you know, you're using different parts of your brain but it is definitely true. You'll be distracted from the conversation by your experience walking. And, um, you know, let's hope you're not so distracted by talking on the phone that you walk into a uh, automobile that's moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now that we've discussed productivity and kind of what it is and what people get wrong about it, let's talk about fatigue because this is your sort of area of expertise. How would you define fatigue for the audience? Well, you know, let let me be clear. I am not a doctor, right? So uh, remember, I, I threw up when we had to dissect a frog. So and, and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm also, I'm not a psychologist. Uh, so, you know, there are medical implications to fatigue. What what I'm focused on is what, what we call overcommitment syndrome. Uh, yeah. When people have too much to do and not enough time, 
uh, when their task list is simply longer than their available time, when they're uh, struggling to prioritize uh, competing task responsibilities and projects, when they have multiple constituents, maybe the boss, maybe mm. people at home, uh, maybe even at work, it's not just your boss, but it's colleagues, it's people who report to you at home. It's not just your significant other, but yeah. kids, dog and the mailman and whatever. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so when people uh, consistently have too much to do and not enough time, uh, they, they start to, um, they start to get fatigued, right? So overcommitment yeah. leads to a certain kind of fatigue mm. and, um, it might be physical, uh, and it might be mental and it might be spiritual, right? Uh, right. you can have your kind of, if you don't like spirit or soul, you can, you can think of your, your, um, you know, just your, your, your internal, you know, your, the way you're feeling your emotional state right yeah. you could just you can become exhausted physically you can become exhausted mentally you can become exhausted so that you'd say there's uh, like three literally. different types of fatigue. i think so i yeah. think so and and it comes from uh having too much to do or not enough time and mm. feeling like you can't do everything for everybody and like you're uh you, you start to become overwhelmed Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely about sort of like over committing and over engaging with too many people, too many things, too many commitments. Yeah. I mean, look, most of what we have to say to each other all day long, especially at work, is we ask each other for help. We ask each other for information. We yeah. ask each other what to do, how to do it. Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, do you have a minute? We're constantly making requests of each other mm. and uh, we want to rely on each other. If you're kind of a go-getter, if you're the kind of person who wants to be uh, successful, you don't want to say no, right? So if you don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to say no, uh, if you say no, someone else might say yes. Mm. If you say no, someone might exactly. think you're off of work. If you say no, um, then, uh, you know, maybe you won't. Uh, get the opportunity next time. So yeah. uh, as a result of that, people are constantly saying yes. And then they're, you know, sometimes people are overwhelmed, not by what they're doing, but what, you know, is on their list. Mm, yeah, exactly. It's definitely, I think, yeah, learning to say no is definitely a big part of kind of what um, filters into fatigue, just that incapacity to sort of you're either a people pleaser or you're, you know, trying to um, succeed in an area where you're struggling. And it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a very um, difficult kind of uh, habit to break out of, especially if you're just like, if you're a yes person and you're a people pleaser or you're young in your career, like you said. So how or maybe do you you're think? just ambitious. Maybe you're yeah. healthy. Maybe you got a great attitude. Maybe you're really good at doing X, Y, or Z. And everybody mm -hmm. knows you're good at doing X, Y, or Z. When they need X, Y, or Z, they come to you. Uh, you know, you, you got a good attitude. You don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to say no. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, one of the problems when you have too much to do without enough time for a sustained amount of time is yeah. then you don't take care of yourself. You don't get enough mm -hmm. exercise. 
you don't, to our earlier conversation, change it up in your brain by reading some stuff, giving your brain a bit of a rinse. Uh, you don't, you don't, you don't sleep well, right? If you've got too much to do and not enough time, you didn't get everything done today, and you're probably not going to get everything done tomorrow. Then you don't sleep well. No, and then, you don't. And then, <laughs> right? And 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 so um, it, it's complex. And by the way, my view is that. Um, most people um, who are trying to make a living nowadays are overcommitted. And so it's not just to you, it's just mm. your and you're overcommitted, but everyone you're dealing with is yeah. overcommitted and feeling that fatigue. Definitely. And so it cascades and it has its own kind of life. Because guess what? If you're overcommitted and I'm overcommitted, and we're relying on each other, there's also a good chance you're going to be delayed, I'm going to be delayed, I'm going to let you down, you're going to let me down, there will be more yeah. relationship friction. Exactly. And that's another source of exhaustion, relationship mm -hmm. friction. Because positive relationship dynamics uh, are soothing to the brain uh, and, and, and are a source of, uh, if not relaxation, uh, certainly they mitigate uh, exhaustion. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned before in terms of like um, being strained over a period of time. What kind of period of time are we talking about here? Because when we talk about fatigue, some people um, may think that it's something that sort of like happens in a couple hours or does it take a couple days or weeks or months? Would you say there is sort of like a certain time period that someone can put up with a certain amount of commitments and work before they become fatigued? Like, is it something like burnout or is this a more consistent sort of sporadic? Well, look, again, I'm not a doctor, so there would be medical components to physical fatigue. There are yeah. medical components to uh, brain fatigue. Uh, but, but you know, everything we do comes from interviewing people, right? And so some people have tough days and they're fatigued. Uh, some people have tough weeks and they have a different kind of fatigue. Some people have tough months and they have a different kind of fatigue. I mean, there's people who have been out straight for 25 years. And that is, you know, the kind of soul-crushing fatigue that is of a different order of magnitude. Yeah. Um, right, right. So, so um if, if you're talking about, um, you have to also look at, this is a complex dynamic, right? So there's physical fatigue, there's brain fatigue, there's spiritual fatigue, but there's also horizontal uh, uh, access to this. Um, and, and the kind of uh, short-term, intermediate-term, longer-term fatigue, to your point, I think those are all uh, parts of the same, parts of the same yeah. equation. Okay, interesting. So how do you think fatigue influences an individual's personal productivity? Well, look, I mean, so just for starters, there's 168 hours in a week, right? You got to sleep 56. If you're not getting 56 good hours, that the other 112 hours, you're not going to be at your best. Yeah. Those other 112 hours, what are you doing with yourself? Look, if you're eating potato chips and cookies, you're going to be much more fatigued. <laughs> But yeah. you're feeding yourself Brussels sprouts and good, you know, good protein, you're going to have more energy. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, how about if you sit around all day versus if you take a walk every day, right? These are all variables in, um, in, in, in how you uh, respond to pressure. Now, look, some people are, are blessed with more energy than others. 
In fact, right. okay. um, you know, there's a great uh, piece of research that was done by Warren Bennis many years ago, uh, where he studied some of the most successful leaders in different fields. And, you know, you say, well, what do they have in common? Well, they're mm -hmm. smarter than everyone else. Nope. Uh, they make fewer mistakes than everyone else. Nope. Uh, what are the two things they have in common? One, when they make mistakes, they change course quickly. Right. But two, the other one is they have much more energy than other people. Oh, right? that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> right. So you've got to be aware. But look, the, the interesting thing is, okay, so some people are gifted with more energy than others. Mm. But so many people diminish their energy by beating themselves up physically, mentally, and spiritually, right? Okay. So, so, so yeah. it is a very, some people can work longer, harder, far, smarter, faster, and better than others. Uh, and it's not just because they have preternatural energy, it's because they take care of themselves. Uh, and so uh, uh, I think, look, if you're exhausted, here's what's going to happen. You're going to make unnecessary mistakes. You're going to slow down and you're going to be grumpy. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the, the, to me, so I know you focus on productivity, productivity, quality and attitude are the three dimensions of performance, really, right? I mean, yeah. you do a bunch yeah. of work, you do it at a certain quality level and you do it with a bigger or smaller smile on your face. So when you are exhausted, either spiritually, mentally, or physically, um, uh, you, you're going to make more mistakes, you're going to get less done, and you're going to have a, a, a negative attitude. Mm. And by the way, what this does is it causes more rework, so then you're going to have even more to do in less available time. Uh, it causes delays for other people, so that's effect, and it causes more relationship friction. And so to me, it's not that it's, a, it's not a zero sum game. It's a dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. How do you manage your energy? That's the equation uh, that leads to more or less fatigue uh, and, and, um, and, and, and more or less damaging fatigue. Yeah. Would you say that because you've you've spoken a lot about energy and having energy for things would you say that energy has to kind of come with a positive mindset like would you say that that's the underlying factor of having energy is having like a positive attitude and a positive outlook or can you have kind of energy without having to kind of like be happy all, all the time I mean, you don't have to be happy all the time, but you can be darn sure that if you're feeding your brain glucocorticoids and uh, and you're feeding your brain all kinds of stress hormones, cortisol, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be more exhausted. If you're able to stimulate oxytocin in your brain, uh, which, you know, smile, go ahead, smile. Uh, you're not supposed <laughs> to tell people to smile, but if you smile, it actually yeah. sends oxytocin to your brain. Yeah. Right. Take a walk. It's going to send good uh, brain chemicals around, you know, around the circuit. Right. You, you know, your, 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 your organisms are driven by brain chemistry, endocrinology, um, of course, uh, genetics and epigenetics. Right. You can't control your genetics. You can't control your early yeah. epigenetics, but you can sort of do things to have better uh, genetic manifestations. 
Uh, and certainly you could do things to, to affect your brain chemistry and your endocrine system. And um, look, the, you know, the, 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 what do most people do? They don't get enough sleep. They put uh, uh, damaging uh, stuff into their body, either, you know, into their, you know, alcohol, drugs, bad food. Uh, they don't get enough exercise. Um, and so they're starting, you know, they're starting with two strikes, you know, yeah. uh, two outs and two strikes. In but Here in America, we have a game called baseball where they have strikes and outs. Yeah. Anyway, um, but, 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 you know, um, so to me, uh, there's a a lot you can control. One of the things you Mm. can't control is how the incoming requests that are coming at all of us all the time, right? You can control the self you manage and bring to work uh, Mm. or the self you manage and bring home. You can't control all the inputs, all the all the requests. Yeah, exactly. Right? You can control how you respond to. Them. Wow, that's so interesting, because you spoke before about like we've touched a lot on workplace. You know, having those requests, having colleagues ask you things, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and fatigue in the workplace. You know, for multiple people, for colleagues it can have a significantly negative like impact overall on the whole company, on the whole organization. So how do you think that um, we can minimize uh, fatigue in you know, working environments that have demanding jobs such as law or medicine or essential workers? Like what advice would you have for individuals working in these areas who, you know, their work in and of itself is going to, it requires a lot of output and it's going to create a fair amount of fatigue. Yeah. I mean, so when I talk with CEOs uh, or uh, senior executives, what I'm always telling them is uh, you've got to play the long game. Uh, you've got to manage the productive capacity of, of your workforce, of the people who, um, who, who are making a living and, and making a career in your mm. organization. That means you've got to be talking with leaders, managers, and supervisors at every level. So leaders, managers, and supervisors are keeping track of each person's workload. So that, you know, yeah. one of the problems is you got your go-to people. The problem with being a go-to person is everyone goes to you. Yeah, so <laughs> you're you always know. a go-to person, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so so you know, uh, one of the things I so if I'm starting at the top, I'm saying, hey, you got to look at your management culture got to look at uh, boundaries you set with clients and customers. Mm. You've got to look at the, the culture of service you're developing uh, and how you train clients and customers to interact with you now. Uh, you've got to make sure that managers uh, are, are helping take care of people. You know, I always tell managers, if anyone has dinner with their family and they talk about the boss, and they're talking about you, that is a profound responsibility. Don't take it lightly. Mm. And, and, you know, you should help people avoid unnecessary problems, help them identify problems quickly and solve them, help them plan resource aid, uh, help them make sure they're going in the right direction uh, uh, early on. You know, uh, high performers hate working with low performers, uh, low performers, <laughs> yeah. but people with bad attitudes. You know, have you ever worked with somebody with a really bad attitude? That is an oh, energy yeah. suck. Oh, 100%. Uh, so, so, so I put a lot of responsibility out there, yeah, uh, and leaders at all levels. 
What I tell individuals is, look, the first person you got to manage every day is yourself. And the number one thing you can do is take care of yourself. And, you know, it sounds like, um, hey, take a walk every day. And what's Bruce's advice? Take a walk every day and eat your vegetables. Yeah, that's my advice. Because <laughs> And, and yeah. get a good night's sleep. Because yeah. if you don't do that, you are setting yourself up for uh, unnecessary problems. And, and they're going to cascade, right? So mm. First person you got to take, uh, take care of every day is yourself. Then yep. you go to work. The second person you got to manage every day is your boss. Right, so you got to yeah. make sure your boss knows what is on your plate, and 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 what uh, you know what you're focused on. What are your priorities? Uh, make sure your boss knows what you're doing, how busy you are, uh, and 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 you should do some what ifs. Hey, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? And you should do that early, either early in the day or at the end of the day before, right? Because mm. your boss throughout the day might be difficult to get a hold of. And, and and everyone's busy, right? We interrupt each other all day <laughs> yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. Being interrupted is exhausting. Interrupting mm-hmm. others uh, is exhausting to them, and you never get the best response, right? So manage yourself. Show up healthy. You know, stay organized. Have your priorities. Uh, then go talk to your boss, right? And say, yeah. all right, here's what I'm planning to do today. Make sure you're aligned with your boss. Then if anyone reports to you, go talk to them. Make sure they're aligned, right? Because otherwise, guess what? Later on, at the least convenient time possible, they're going to interrupt you. <laughs> exactly. and, then we're, and then you're going to give them short and you're mm. going to be aggravated, right? So yeah. so you've got to set yourself up for success. Um, and then, then you know, right? you got your plan for the day. What happens? You have your plan for the day. And then you get interrupted and your whole day gets messed. So part of it is then, okay, you got your priorities, you checked with the boss, you checked with your people. Um, then try to stay as focused as you can um, and, 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 and do one thing at a time, right? Because, because the, the, the flip side of, oh, multi, multitasking is a fiction, but mm. there is an action item now, which is yeah. stop doing it. Right. So if you're always juggling, you are going to drop the ball. Yeah. Uh, so what you do is once you, you, you know, you manage yourself, you manage your boss, you manage your people, then uh, execute one concrete thing after another and, and, mm-hmm. and pay attention. Because if it's one of your specialties, you, you should have re- repeatable solutions. Um, and if it's not one of your specialties, then give yourself a break. You got to slow down, learn, and develop repeatable solutions, and yeah. start. Remember, we were talking about before. You want to develop a routine, a best way of doing this, so that as you start to get good at it, then you start to ramp up your output per labor unit, your productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, you know, but a lot of this is about not dealing with yourself when you're fatigued. It's about managing yourself so you don't get fatigued. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask you kind of like on that point, what in your opinion are some red flags or some signs that people can look for um, just so that they know that, you know, they might end up being fatigued and how they can avoid it? What are some things that people should sort of look out for to avoid being fatigued? 
Well, I mean, look, fatigue per se, um, you know, you're, you're, you're so tired, you don't sleep well. You wake up tired. Uh, fatigue per se, you're, you're having a hard time focusing. Uh, fatigue per se, you're, you're grump, getting grumpy, right? Fatigue per se, you're making mistakes that you don't ordinarily make. Uh, you're losing track of stuff, right? Those are, those are per se symptoms of fatigue. Mm. Uh, but, but, but I think, um, you know, most people, you know, they, they, they start to feel overwhelmed, um, and, and they, some people get into it, right? They're like, you know, I got so much to do. I'm always juggling. I call it Wonder Woman complex or Superman complex. <laughs> like I'm yeah. the busiest person here. You know, if you you know those people, right? They're oh, the yeah. busiest 100%. person, right? Oh, are you? Interesting. You know, and 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 so some people they get into being the busiest person. They get into mm. being exhausted all the time. So, um, uh, you know, but but I think what you have to do is look. Ask yourself this: What's your plan for your well-being uh today tomorrow yeah. this week this month uh what's your plan for uh getting a lot of work done very well very fast all day long with a good attitude uh uh and then so you have enough time to take care of yourself and take care of your family and spend time with your friends or you know you, you've got to have a plan if you don't have a plan you know you might be exhausted and you just don't notice yeah, interesting. So when it comes to sort of like this misconception about fatigue and how to identify it, something that we hear a lot is kind of the further you get into your career or the older you get, kind of the more capacity for fatigue to come up. Sort of what's your opinion on this? Why do you think people kind of associate getting older and getting further into your career with fatigue? I mean, there's three reasons that that uh, that might be. One is just physical capacity. When you're younger, you have more energy, and when you're older, you have less energy. The second thing is when you're older, you have more relationships, yeah. <laughs> more people coming to you, right? Uh, you don't just have parents; you also mm. uh, have kids, right? You don't just have parents and kids; you got significant others. You might have animals to take care of, right? But you know, you might have um, uh, you, you have a home to deal with. You have you just have a lot more. Uh, greater diversity of responsibilities um, because you have a greater diversity of, of mm. relationships and experience that feeds into that. Um, and, and you know, the other thing is when you're really, really experienced, people want your help. Uh, you become a go-to person because yeah, exactly. you're a seasoned expert at something. Now, look, uh, if you're smart uh, and ex if you're experienced and smart, then you develop other go-to people, right? One of the biggest secrets uh, to being successful without being overcommitted um, is one secret is develop specialties and have good repeatable solutions, right? Another secret is take good enough care of yourself uh, outside of work that you bring your best to work. Um, and, and another is that you do one thing very well, very fast all day long at a time so you avoid rework. But, you know, the other secret is you find other go-to people and, and, yeah. and, 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 and you rely on them and you build up other go-to people, right? You teach people how to do what you do. 
uh, you 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 uh, yeah. you you hand off work to others. Hmm. Yeah, I've definitely. It reminds me. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book now, but it was. I can't remember what it was, but the the guy in it, he was. Um, I think he, he was like a CEO or he'd owned some companies and this kind of thing. And he essentially, the whole book was essentially about how to get other people to do your work for you. Um, now, obviously, this is not something that we're recommending, um, but it was an interesting way of kind of looking at how he avoided being fatigued was by, you know, learning um, about other people, what their skills are and kind of employing them to work in a particular way so that their skill set is, um, you know, going to benefit the company. You're not just sort of having random people who aren't really doing anything. And he would then, you know, teach them the skill set that he has. So they're upskilling and to the point where he really didn't have to do anything. <laughs> Obviously, this is well, great for that I mean, guy. That, that, not for I, I mean, that, that, that's extraordinary. Um, and I don't know, you know, mm. there's, I don't know that there's any shortcuts, right? To me, yeah, exactly. if you are a seasoned professional and you start to develop other go-to people, what are you doing? What you're doing is you're giving them opportunities to add value, right? Mm. So, so, so if you want to be valuable, right, uh, uh, you have to add value. And so uh, I think as you uh, get older and more experienced, you realize you don't have to be the one to do everything. You don't have to be the one to take credit for everything. Uh, you do have to be good at setting people up for success. You have to be mm. good at matching up opportunities with individuals uh, and their skill sets and their experience. Uh, but but what you're doing when you're developing a go-to person or finding a go-to person, you know, delegation doesn't mean just giving away all the work and getting everyone else to do stuff. But what <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. what, what what you are doing. I mean, look, you know, say you know you. CEO of a large complex organization, you know, you're not doing all the work, but it doesn't mean you are sloughing off and, and giving, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you're getting it, getting other people to do it. What you're doing is you're, you're like a conductor. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you're a symphony. You're, you're helping each person play their role on the team. Uh, you're helping each person do their thing really well. You're giving each person an opportunity to, to be valuable. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, exactly. uh, you know, but, but it's, but, but remember that, um, you can only do so much. And so to me, optimal productivity, uh, is using every, uh, working minute to, uh, get something done very well and a high quality level. Um, and, and in a way that, um, you know, that's going to add value for someone else. I mean, that mm. that's productivity. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So in saying all of this, you know, we've spoken about the signs, the concerns, what people can do, etc. When would you say people should consider, well, a lot of people will think about when it comes to fatigue, if they've worked in an area for so long and you know, when should we say like, this is the time to, to quit or adjust my job? You know, my health has to come first. When should people take that kind of more extreme action? Now, obviously not everyone's going to have this opportunity, you know, quitting your job and finding a new job is definitely a bit of a luxury. Um, but 
when should people start to think about, okay, maybe this job isn't right for me? I mean, look, what you have to figure out is, are you able to build enough relationships with enough decision makers uh, uh, who know what you can do very well, very fast, that you are uh, able to get enough tasks, enough responsibilities, enough projects done and delivered for the right decision makers that you're building a track record of success. Uh, and when you find yourself in a situation, either because of overcommitment or uh, related fatigue, uh, or because of bad management, or because of a bad match between your energy and your skills and the work that needs to get done, you know, it, mm. when you find yourself not succeeding, but 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 you don't have to kill yourself to succeed. You don't have to work yourself to a frazzle to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. What you have to do is say, how much time am I willing to allocate? And most people can get so much more done, so much better, so much faster without getting over it, without getting exhausted, if you manage yourself well. Look, if you find yourself, you know, um, beating your head against the wall, you just can't get everything done. You can't. I mean, here, you know, do you have happy customers internally and externally? Right? Uh, are are you delivering results and building a track record of success, or are you working yourself to the bone, and in fact you're disappointing people? Right? Yeah. If you're working yourself to a frazzle and disappointing people and feeling bad, then you got to find a different setup. Mm, yeah, definitely. Okay, so so you're talking more about kind of on that like management sort of level. Well, no, but as an individual, because look, okay. um, uh, let's say you are working, uh, you're working hard, you're working smart, you're working fast, you're getting tons of work done. Uh, people keep coming to you, but you know what? You're succeeding. Your reputation is good. You're scoring a lot of points with all the right people. Guess what? You're in a strong position to say, you know what? I'm not going to work on Thursday. I'm not going to work though. this weekend yeah. or, hey, I'm going to take a vacation in, 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 in March, right? But, but, but the, because the more you're doing and the more you're pleasing people, the more you're demonstrating your value, then the more negotiating power you have. Mm. Mark my words, if you're working yourself to a frazzle and you're disappointing everybody, you also can't take a break because nobody is happy with your work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I completely get what you mean. That's yes, yeah, very good advice. I really I really like that. You definitely have to be able to work enough to and work well enough and in a productive kind of manner to put yourself in a position where you can start to say no, where you can, like you said, take that time off. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, so look, I mean it, it it's kind of a funny thing because if 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 you're not succeeding, whether you're working hard or not. If you're phoning it in and you're not succeeding, well, you might want to try working harder, right? But, <laughs> but, but if, but if you're if you're working yourself to a frazzle, uh, and and all you're getting is frustration instead of like, hey, great job. As soon as you get that great job, you say, okay, well, boy, that was a lot. I'm going to take tomorrow off. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it definitely gives you that opportunity to kind of recalibrate. 
So we're going to go into the practice habit experiment debrief of the show now. So this is where I ask the experts. So I ask Bruce um, some things that he does to deal with fatigue. So Bruce, what is a practice that you do to deal with or to, to combat fatigue? When my brain is tired, uh, I, I, I think the thoughts of great minds by reading books. When okay. you read a book, you are filling your brain with the thoughts of other minds, right? Mm, so you're, you're yeah. actually thinking those thoughts by reading. So that when your brain is tired, do that, right? When okay. your body's tired, uh, then, you know, you got to check your fuel. Maybe you just have low blood sugar. Uh, check your uh, sleep. Uh, are you getting enough sleep? Check your exercise. Take a walk. Um, right. And, and when your spirit is tired, when you're feeling demoralized, then find something to believe in, whatever mm -hmm. it is, um, you know, uh, 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 do something. I mean, go smell a flower, pet a dog, do something, you know, go, you know what? The number one thing you can do if your spirit is exhausted, yeah. go do something for someone else, go wow. serve yeah. others yeah. and your spirit will feel lifted up right? Mm. That's what I do. I mean, look, what do I do? Every day I plan my day. I write down every, now, now you might think, oh, well, this guy's a freak. I mean, you know, but, but every day I plan my day, I write down every push up I do. I write down every mile I walk. I write down wow. every, uh, 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 exercise I do. I write down every single thing I eat. I write down everything I read. I write down how I spend my time. Yeah. I am obsessed. Now I'm, you know, this could be a medical problem to you, but, <laughs> but, but I, I'm so obsessed with making good use of time. Yeah. Uh, 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 and that that's my, that's my technique. I keep a notebook with me all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I keep track of, of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, uh, uh, three good things about this practice? Well, if you keep track, then, you know, you can look back and say, gee, if I'm not mm. feeling well, let's look back over yeah. the last few days. You know, what, what, you know, when, oh, I had a big snack last night. No wonder I feel sick in the morning, right? Uh, oh, I, you know, drinking alcohol. Well, you know, that's poison, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Um, oh, I dealt with Mr. Blue again. That guy is such a jerk, right? Mm. You know, take notes. Right. If at the end of the day you feel terrible, go back. Who did you interact with today? Mm. I was all by myself. Oh well, maybe tomorrow you should interact with something with with other people. Yeah. Right. So, what are you learning? Who are you interacting with? What yeah. what tangible results are you tackling? And 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 what are you doing to take care of your mind, body, and spirit? Mm. If you keep score in writing, for one thing, it makes you ambitious to give yourself a good score. Right? Yes, it does. You know, if you write down every <laughs> write down every donut. You're like, I guess I'm not gonna have that donut. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, that, but 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 the other thing is that way you can use that data uh, mm. to see well what's working for me and what's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I can see. Um, yeah, how that would be so helpful in that reflective process, like you said, figuring out kind of what works for you, what doesn't work for you, <clears throat> because sometimes it can be. Um, 
like a process of trial and error, sort of figuring out, like you said, you know, not having that snack or working with other people, not working with other people. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see the benefits. Right. Like what if at the end of every, you know, every day you end up where you feel terrible, it turns out you dealt with Mr. Blue, then, you know, you got to avoid Mr. Blue like the freaking mm. plague. <laughs> And by the way, exactly. you know, if you don't like a notebook, most people carry around a handheld supercomputer. Mm. Just create a notes file. Create a habit for yourself. Yeah. Of of keeping score for yourself. Definitely. So do you face any challenges when you try and do this practice? Sure. You know, sometimes uh, I'm lazy because I'm a human being. <laughs> Uh, exactly, you know, exactly. Sometimes unexpected stuff comes up. Sometimes things don't mm. go the way I had hoped. You know, one of the things I've come to realize over the years is, you know, there's so much outside of our own control, right? Yeah. Human beings are bounced around by factors outside their own control most of the time. Mm. And so, you know, uh, my uh, writing things down, my trying hard to manage myself and my relationships, it's all about trying to be aware of all the things that are outside my control and focusing on what I can control. But look, everybody has bad days, bad weeks, bad uh, months. Some people have bad years. You know, <laughs> boy, I'll tell you what, for me, and I don't think I'm alone, uh, so often I can trace that back to, um, you know, I'm not doing the things that I know are healthy for uh, yeah. So often it's the fundamentals. You know, I'm always looking for some newfangled trick, but it's the fundamentals, Tia. It's the fundamental. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So how do you find time to do this? Because obviously you're a busy person and if you're writing down all of these little things, do you do you find that kind of interrupts you or do you make specific time to do this? I just do it all day long. I just have have a notebook with me and I keep track, you know, of what yeah. I'm doing. Now, what I do is at the beginning of the day, I write down everything that's scheduled. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm sufficiently compulsive that when something that's scheduled doesn't go just right, then it bugs me. But like I said, that's a matter. Um, uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I sketch out yeah. my schedule and the time in between scheduled uh, activities I think of that as my do time. That's the time I can do stuff. And I can do exercise. I can do reading. I can do writing. I can do email. I can do a report. I can do a task, a responsibility, a project. Once I know what my day looks like, here are all the hours or minutes that are for, that are spoken for. Hmm. Right? And then, or, or, you know, and then, okay, what am I going to do in between all that? You know, that's that's my time to get stuff done. That's my yeah. time. Those are my labor units to create out. Hmm, interesting. So would you recommend this to everyone? Write down everything you do. I mean, journaling yeah. is, you know, so so anyone is listening to this. So it turns out journaling is the answer to everything. Yep, it is. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so so what else is journaling good for? Everything, right? But but mm. yeah but, but but you know it's basically just a form of diary diarying but it's a form of self accountability you are giving an account to yourself all day long you're documenting all day long you're keeping score all day long of what you're doing and how you're doing it yeah okay interesting and my final question how do you think this practice 
affects your personal productivity? I mean, if if I didn't do that, I would be uh, at a loss. I mean, it means I know all the, every day. I know what time I have to execute tangible results. I know mm. what time I'm gonna, you know, and 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 I'm not I'm not so rigid, right? Uh, the reason I put down the the times that are scheduled where is because that's when I owe something. I owe time to someone else. I made a promise that I'm gonna spend that time with someone else. Right. Yeah. And all the other, the rest of the time is mine. And sometimes mm. I say, you know what I'm going to do during that time? Well, I'm going to take a nap. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> I don't ever nap. But, uh, but, <laughs> I but, wouldn't think but, so. But I could. I'm going to the hot tub. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. I'm going to relax. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for answering those questions. Okay. So we're going to go into some audience questions now. So I've got a question here. And this person has asked, how do I reduce my fatigue when I always feel like in my spare time, I'm guilty for not doing work? Oh, well, I mean, <clears throat> don't feel guilty. Uh, you can't work all the <laughs> no, time. Yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> that's it. Don't feel guilty. Look, there's 168 hours in a week. You sleep 56 of them. That leaves you 112 hours. Yeah. Um, now, you know, it takes time to get back and forth to work. Let's say you got 100 hours. Now, maybe you groom you got to have snacks, whatever you got to eat. You got to fuel your body. That leaves you 90 hours. Maybe you spend 10 hours a week on exercise. That leaves you 80 hours. You got to fail, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, that leaves you 70 hours. So if you work, what, 40 hours, 50 hours, you got to have time to uh, take care of yourself. And, um, uh, you know, reading, uh is, is a good way to spend time. Taking walks is a good way to spend time. I mean, I guess if yeah. you're uh, watching movies, turns out Tia's fully in favor of movies. <laughs> I'm a movie person, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, look, one thing I would tell anyone is you've got to have a list of things that, that make you feel rejuvenated. You've got to yeah. have a list of things that make you feel uh, like you're taking care of yourself. You yeah, knowing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think it's definitely important to know um, what it is you have to do to relax. And I think I've definitely felt this this guilt of like when I'm not working. I don't know. Do you feel sometimes when, when you're not working, do you feel that guilt? I mean, look, you know, that's a good reason to keep score. If, if you get <laughs> yeah. to the end of the week and you haven't done any work, well, maybe you should feel guilty. I don't know, unless yeah. it's your week off. If you get to two weeks and you, and you haven't done any work, then, you know, what the heck are you doing? Now, if, if you don't <laughs> have to work, look, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not somebody who thinks that, you know, work in, in and of itself uh, is, is, you know, I'm not a Calvinist. Um, so, um, you know, you work to make a, li you work to make yeah. a living. Uh, you work to make a living. Usually, uh, you work to make a contribution, mm. um, and uh, you know different personality types feel like they should always be accomplishing something. Well, then expand your repertoire of what counts as yeah. accomplishment. Uh, you know, yeah, does, I like you know? that. Yeah. Um, and 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 but anyway, Tia, that person was looking for permission to not feel guilty. So I think the best answer is just don't feel guilty. <laughs> Definitely, I think we're all. Um always looking for permission to feel guilty and it is one of those things that is definitely hard to overcome but like you said it's something about learning what it is that works for you and learning how to 
um, yeah, reflect on yourself and how to treat yourself nicely. I think it's kind of about learning um, about yourself. You know, do you enjoy a book or a movie or a walk or a run or something like that that's going to help you, you know, get to that place where you, where you don't feel guilty? It might take a bit of time and it can be a bit of a process sometimes. But, yeah, and, and, and deciding what counts. You know, if you're feeling mm. guilty, then it makes me wonder like, well, okay, maybe you're not keeping score in enough areas. So, yeah. so for example, well, if you're spending time building up a relationship with uh, someone in your family, is that a waste of time? You should be working instead. Um, mm. You know, if, 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 right. So there's an example yeah. of um, uh, that, that's something that's valuable. So maybe you mm. need to expand your list of what counts as an accomplishment. Yeah. That is great advice. And on that note, um, I think this show has been quite the accomplishment. That brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you so much, Bruce Talgan, for being with us. It has been such a pleasure. We've had an amazing time. Well, it's been great fun. You've made it fun. And, um, uh, you know, and I have fun no matter what I do, so. Oh, great. I don't doubt that. You bring incredible energy. So for those who want to find out um, a bit more about you and what you do, where can they go? What can they look at? What can they read? Yeah, if you go to RainmakerThinking.com, there's just tons of free stuff there. I mean, you have to poke around quite a bit if you want to find something you can pay for. But, you know, (laughs) uh, you can get to Amazon and buy books or you you can poke around and send an email and pay for something. But there's yep. tons of free content on, on our Amazing. website. Amazing. Awesome. Well, we'll leave the link um, to Bruce's website and all his details in the bio below. Um, but for the time being, thank you so much, Bruce, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. And to our listeners, um, yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pp.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.